Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace, and I hope that you can do the same. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. And I know I always say that I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but regardless, I'm so glad that we found each other because you don't need to do this alone. We are a community here at SYKM, Saving You Is Killing Me. And we are here to help lift each other up and just be there for as a source of support and love. And I show up every single week on this podcast just to offer you some support. I suck in all my positive psychology training and I also my experience. I've been there. I've been in the muck of loving someone to addiction, loving and losing someone to addiction. And it is not fun. I always say it's like a dark cloud of addiction that kind of follows that person around, but it also casts a shadow on everybody around them as well. So today I wanted to do an episode kind of piggybacking on all the other ones that I've been doing lately uh, of the things that I did after I had my accident, which was pretty traumatic. And so it brought me back to a point where, you know what, I, these are all the things that I did when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction. These are a whole bunch of these things are the things that I needed to do in order to bounce back, in order to tap into and build my resilience. And so I 
I wanted to share them with you. So today we're going to talk all about this idea of stress and moving it out of the body. So obviously stress is inevitable. It's part of life. It's like basically a natural response to demands and to challenges and all these demands and challenges are going to happen on a daily basis. So while stress can be motivating at times, right? I I always say, you know, if you say you were suddenly divorced, it's like so motivating to like go and work out and, you know, bounce back and, and it's amazing. And so stress can actually be really, really motivating. Stress can actually propel us to make decisions, to change things in our life that don't feel good. And so stress actually can be beneficial, believe it or not. The problem is that prolonged and chronic stress, it can lead to what is called distress. So when stress becomes chronic over and over, it's happening over and over again, like your exposure of, you know, when you love someone with an addiction, the constant worry, the constant concern, the fears, all those things that come with it can lead to chronic activation of the stress response. And what happens is then this is what we call distress. This can take a toll on our physical as well as our emotional health. And so I really want to explore the different aspects of stress and the impact that it can have on our well-being. And there are effective strategies for actually managing and reducing distress. So there are things that we can do. And now I know my nerves, and I did an episode just recently on my my nerves being shattered. And I remember my nerves being shatter, shattered when I was trying to navigate the complexities of when I was loving someone with an addiction. And it caused me so much stress. My mind was racing. It was ruminating. I was in the chronic activation, like some moments would be good. And then we would have, you know, disappointments. And then I was trying to figure out what was going on. I was confused. And you can see the just the level of stress of life alone, plus navigating the complexities and the, the strangeness that comes with addiction. It is so hard. And so I thought that uh, exploring all these, the different elements of stress and the negative impacts of what distress can have on us, um, what we want to do is we want to know that while it's not really possible to move distress out of the body, right, in the same way that we can't can move an object like okay we can move my phone to over here we can't actually just take stress and distress and move it out of the body that that's not actually how it works but it's fun to think of it that way it's like okay like how do I move this stress through my body or how do I objectively manage or effectively manage and how can I reduce distress and the impacts of distress on our physical, emotional, and mental well-being. And so the goal is to alleviate the negative effects of distress. That's the goal here. So although we can't like pick it up and take it out, we can effectively manage it. We can effectively alleviate the negative effects or the impact that distress can have, and we can help to promote our well-being. So thankfully, there are things that we can do, right? And so I just want to really briefly go into this idea of understanding stress. And you know me, I'm all about the science. Um, My postgraduate training is in positive psychology and the science of human flourishing. And I love all the science behind everything. So 
what we want to do is make sure that we want to know that what we're practicing and what we're doing is grounded in science and grounded to be effective. But having said all that, sometimes it's nice to have that scientific understanding of what's going on so that it motivates us for change. So if we know and we understand stress and distress, and we can see and know the impacts of stress on our health, instead of it being a Debbie Downer, let's use it as a motivation for the encouragement and recognition that we need to process this stress. We need to move, so to speak, that stress out of our body. And if we don't, it can build up and it can cause all kinds of distress and damage. And so have you ever felt like, oh my gosh, like it's like that idea of my nerves are shot or like I'm so stressed right now. Or I remember when I was in the muck, I got this rash under my chin because my liver was probably trying to filter all these stress hormones and I was just so stressed and my nutrition wasn't as good. I actually couldn't eat for a while. I lost all kinds of weight. It really impacted me on such a profound level that actually while I was there, I didn't realize how much distress I was under. And so you might be feeling the same way. You might be not realizing the impacts and the negative side of stress on your on you at this moment but you know that something's amiss you know that you're have you feel this this stress and this pressure and so I always say that, and science says that there are kind of two main categories or main types of stress. There's distress and eustress. And eustress is that good stress. It's that stress that's motivating that when, you know, you're, you have this stress and it motivates you perhaps to make changes or to take action or to, you know, seek out support or to reach out to a friend, like stress can actually be quite motivating. Not to mention, if you think about going to like a really intense fitness class or yoga class, that is a degree of stress. It's putting stress on your body, but but it's use stress. It's good stress. It's challenging us. It's making us feel a sense of accomplishment by the end. So you can see that there are main two, two main types of stress, distress and use stress. So distress is the negative side of stress. It's often characterized by maybe feeling a sense of overwhelm or feeling anxiety or just helplessness. It is that stress that is can be chronically activated over time. Um, usually it was all about fight or flight or freeze where we were like, we use this stress to kind of deal with serious situations. But nowadays our stress is chronically activated. And when we love someone with an addiction, it can be activated numerous times throughout the day. Chronic activations, not just by what's going on like with the addicted loved one itself, but us in our minds thinking and worrying and you know ruminating and just all those things. And not to mention the stress of trying to figure it all out, trying to think of what the future holds and you know and holding on to the past of what that person used to be like, all those things. It adds up. It adds up and so much pressure. So what we want to do is understand that there's also you stress, the positive side of stress, which can be motivating and energizing. It arises like when there's life events or you're starting a new job or you're getting married, right? Or you're pursuing a personal goal. Like these are good stress or pursuing change. So understanding this distinction is really important in order to manage them effectively. So we're not trying to get rid of 
all stress because some stress is actually good. And that's just important to know in terms of, because stress kind of got a bad rep in the world of psychology in the world in general. So first of all, we want to recognize the two, the difference. And so we also need to know the impact of stress on our health. So prolonged and chronic distress can re- lead to a range of so many things um, that affect us and impact our physical as well as our emotional health. And they can lead to problems down the road. So essentially to break it down and make it really, really easy is stress triggers the release of stress hormones. So things like cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, which all elevate and they increase for an extended period of time to help us deal with what's going on. So we we have this negative effect of all those hormones that we need to use to deal with trauma or challenge or struggle or things that are going on in our environment. But what happens is because stress triggers the release of those hormones, and if they keep releasing all those hormones like cortisol, all those hormones I just mentioned, it will it'll end up being elevated for extended period of times. And all that can negatively affect our bodies, right? So, you know, chronic stress can lead to cardiovascular problems, to weaken immune system, to gastrointestinal upset, because you're shutting your digestion down when you're in the stress response, sleep disturbances, anxiety, depression, and so many more negative implications from distress. And it's this chronic activation if we're not processing it. And so, Processing stress, distress, most importantly, is so essential. So while it's not possible, I know I called this um, this podcast episode in this discussion, moving stress out of the body, I wish we could pick it up and take it out, but we can't. So the idea is, while it's not possible to physically move distress out of our body, in some ways, we can effectively manage and reduce distress by addressing it, by looking at it and its impact on us physically, mentally, emotionally, and all those things. So the goal becomes, let's alleviate the negative effects of distress. Let's alleviate the pressure of that distress so that we can promote our well-being. So how do we do that? How in the world do we go through all this stress of loving someone with an addiction or some cases we've lost someone to addiction or they're not with us in, in this physical world anymore, or they've, you know, wherever you are in this situation, we're going to be under a lot of distress when we love someone with an addiction. And so how do we do that? How do we, well, we can't, you know, actually move it out of our body. How do we process it? How do we deal with it? How do we alleviate its negative impact on our bodies? So there are so many things that we can do. And I invite you just to hear some and see some inspiration for you and just see what resonates with you or be open to try something new. I know for me, I never really was into tapping emotional freedom technique and it actually really works well for me. And now sometimes I'll just YouTube and I'll look up emotional freedom techniques and just like go through tapping the main, uh, you know, pressure points on my face. And I, I, it's just so, it, it really is effective by the end of it. I feel so good and I feel such relief. So my point in all this is that you're going to find ways to manage and process or to move stress, move distress out of the body. And I invite you to explore 
more ways and recognize that this is going to be an ongoing process. This is going to be something that you're going to navigate and have to go through, especially when you love someone with an addiction, because nobody's immune to stress and distress. So what we want to do is recognize that there are things that we can do. So just take what you love, maybe be open to trying a few new things. And, and so there are a few things that we can do. So there's physical techniques, there's emotional expression, there's problem solving, there's coping strategies. And so let's investigate what some of these might be. So physical techniques, right? Those are all the things that you can do that help you engage in physical activities. So for me, it's like going to Orange Theory, it's getting on that treadmill and working out like exercise is a physical technique to help process distress right deep breathing is another one and a lot of people love progressive muscle relaxation where they go through certain areas of their body they tense it up and then they relax it for me i feel like working out is exactly that you're contracting the muscle and you're relaxing it and that can reduce physical tension like have you ever had like such tight shoulders in your neck and so by physical techniques such as exercise deep breathing muscle relaxation or body scans can really help reduce tension associated with distress so techniques they promote relaxation they help to release endorphins which are really really good because they're mood lifters right and so this idea is is that it can help physical techniques can help you know, even if it's just walking, physical techniques can really help with distress. Another thing that can really help us is emotional expression. So for me, it's all about acknowledging and expressing my emotions. It's getting, I had so much anger. And so I had a journal, it's my red journal, it's in there. And it is this is the journal that I just let myself be angry. I got so much anger that I felt towards my addicted loved one out. And just by expressing my emotions and that was causing such distress, it was so crucial for me. It almost took it like from being tense in my mind and, and allowed me to just get it out. So acknowledging and expressing your emotions, which is emotional expression, is a wonderful way to process distress. And so we want to make sure part of managing our distress is we have that physical element, you're getting it out, so physical techniques, but then also the emotional expression. So that could be an art, that could be talking to a trusted friend or a a family member or a therapist or a life coach. And it can help like finding that outlet of emotional release is so crucial, right? It could be journaling every morning. It could be journaling every night. It could be whenever you're feeling frustrated, opening up that journal or expressing it, right? This is really important to have that emotional release. And it really will help us and support us with coping and coping with distress, right? So another thing we can do is problem solve. So problem solving, actually, believe it or not, distress can be caused by a specific problem or a challenge, right? So if we think about that, it feels good to start working on solutions, to take concrete steps to address issues in your life. Although remember, we can't control someone else and we can't control their decisions and we can't control 100% we cannot control addiction. So what we can do though, and it always made me feel so good to do research and to investigate and come up with maybe um, 
options for me or possibilities. And by really going through the specifics or the specifics of my what my problems or my struggle, it allows you to look at challenges face on and to work on solutions so that you can take concrete action or steps that help with those issues, right? That alone can alleviate distress. And I love this, like problem solving, it helps you gain a sense of control and autonomy and feel like you have influence in your life and it can help reduce the impact of distress. And so again, that is so powerful, right? Believe it or not, like problem solving and looking at opportunities and options for you. And that can really, really help you as well with managing distress. So, so far we have the physical techniques. It's like getting it out of your body through exercise and movement or walking or dancing, right? These are techniques that promote release of endorphins. They promote relaxation. They allow for that distress to kind of, move out of the body and allowing us to process it. The other one was emotional expression. So expressing those emotions related to the distress, right? Getting it out through talking to a friend, reaching out to a family member or journaling it out, writing it out, or maybe it's art. It's expressing your emotions through that, or just like admitting your feelings and yelling it in the car, whatever you need, uh, expressing that emotion. Emotional expression is so key for, for processing distress. And then problem solving. I love that one, right? So thinking about, you know, what you're struggling with, looking at opportunities, working on possible solutions, taking action steps or steps to address those issues so you can alleviate the distress. And it's so powerful. That's gaining, giving you sense of control and really reducing the impact of the potential stressors in your life. Okay, so the next one uh, way to manage or to decrease de or process distress is this idea of coping strategies. What works for you? So developing so many healthy coping strategies like things like mindfulness, or for me, it's lighting incense and praying. Um, it could be meditation. It could be art. It could be disengaging in hobbies. It could be pulling Oracle angel cards. It could be, I just recharged all my crystals here because it was a full moon the other night. And they say to put your crystals in the light of the full moon, it will recharge them. I also sage them. I sage my home. Rituals like that are really, really great for me because it's a coping strategy. It helps me cope with distress and makes me feel like I'm having impact on my life. So they can promote emotional well-being as well as resilience. So what are some of your coping strategies, right? It's kind of delving into like, I know for me, mindfulness, and I talked about the five, four, three, two, one with all your senses is like being in that present moment, um, being aware, deep breathing. What, what are your coping strategies? Is it, you know, getting out uh, and hiking in nature or so these will all help us process distress. Now I couldn't leave out seeking support and community. That is why I built this whole community. This is why the SYKM community exists. This and the podcast so that you don't feel alone. So reaching out and seeking support can help you with decreasing or processing distress, right? So distressing situations and distressing emotions and just distress in general it can feel so overwhelming and it's hard sometimes to handle this alone. 
So by seeking support, it can help us process this distress. It can help us in so many ways, whether that's looking for a mental health professional, right? Whether that's reaching out to people that have tools and guidance and support. And we want to make sure that it's effective, uplifting support that can help reduce distress effectively. So those are the things, coping strategies, seeking support, problem solving, emotional expression, physical techniques, they all can help us. While we can't move, take distress and move it out of our body, although I wish we could, it can help us process. We can use a combination of these strategies to help us because these various components can help reduce the impact of distress, right? Reduce the impact of the distress on us physically and emotionally so that we don't feel that sense of overwhelm and have the negative effects of distress. So the goal is to really manage distress in ways that allow us to cope with life challenges, to cope with the struggle that comes when we love someone with an addiction because it's so hard. So these are all things. These are all things that we can do, right? We want to recognize when we're having feelings of distress and when it's overwhelming. And then, and then the idea is like, let's move it out of the body, but really it's about processing it. It's about um, recognizing the distress and then seeing how we can effectively navigate it, how we can process it. And, and that's about it. I hope that was super, super helpful. I can run through so many, you know, we have problems. I can run through so many things. Like I think one of my favorite things is some of the physical techniques for me for stress, distress management, we'll call it is the exercising. I, when I was in the muck, I remember like I, I never used to be a jogger, a runner. I would have to go outside just to process anger and I would run for even 10 minutes as hard as I could. My heart would be pumping, but I would feel so much better after. I mean, yoga was a huge instrumental thing for me and still is to this day. And a brisk, it could be a brisk walk. They're all excellent ways to reduce physical tension because I don't know about you, but where do you hold your stress, your distress? I hold it in my shoulders right? And so all these exercises or ways of moving physical techniques have a way of promoting endorphins and then it's a natural mood booster. It really helps to calm the nervous system. So another physical technique obviously is this deep breathing. So digging into your breathing exercises to calm your nervous system. They're really good for releasing or reducing uh, stress symptoms and distress. And you can try all types of breathing techniques to help you, you know, really downregulate your nervous system. Of course, emotional expression. That's all about talking to someone. For me, I have my best friend that I reach out to and I would talk to her all the time. We would go for pedicures together and I would tell her about all the things that are going on. It was a sounding board and she, you know, she would really be there for me and listen and offer support. And that really helped with the distress I was going through because it allowed me to express my emotions verbally and therefore process them and feel supported at the same token. I also mentioned journaling. Always, I kept a journal that really helped write down my thoughts and my feelings related to distress and uh, just made me feel a sense of gaining clarity. It helped with my emotional uh, emotions and just processing them, expressing them. I also could find patterns. I love this about journaling is sometimes you start to see patterns in your writing. It's like, huh, that you didn't see maybe before. 
So the problem solving strategies, I'm trying to think of some of the things I used to do is I used to identify, obviously, the main stress and I would begin to identify like, you know, what's causing this? It was very obvious what was causing it, I must say. Um, But then I needed to really find what was in my control, what was in my control that I could take on as my own that and what wasn't in my control? What what did I not have control over? That helped me. So by moving into problem solving, I was able to kind of see, um, okay, what do I have control over here? And how can I look for solutions? And that really helped with the distress. And then setting goals for myself, right? And then so kind of thinking about micro goals, mini goals, achievable goals. And I I think I did an episode a long time ago about atomic habits and how building daily habits into your life gives you a sense of accomplishment. And I really suggest going back to that one. I love it because it gives you that sense of accomplishment and helps you create a plan kind of to move forward. It feels like you're problem solving and taking action and it really helps to navigate distress. It feels good to take action and create a plan and make positive changes in your life for you, right? So that's proactive steps that can lead to making you feel good and helps to reduce the, the impact of distress right? helps you gain some sense of control. So coping strategies, there are so many. Oh my gosh. So I don't know, you might be an artist. Maybe you like painting or writing. I'm a writer or playing instruments or any outlet. Uh, Maybe you're engaging in hobbies, pursuing new hobbies, kind of getting back to that. What helps you feel a sense of accomplishment and joy? So coping strategies are so important, right? Like what is it for you? Mindfulness techniques, meditation, um, all can help. What makes you feel relaxed? What relaxes you? What helps you with emotional regulation? These are all coping strategies, right? So I don't know about you, but I love dancing. Dancing is and playing music is a wonderful coping strategy for me. And there are just so many, so many things that we can do in terms of coping strategies. So that's it. So managing and reducing distress, processing it is essential for our well-being. If we just hold it in and bottle it up, it's we're going to become a pressure cooker and explode. I did an episode on that last to kind of help you then now see, okay, well, how do I, you know, relieve that valve? How do I, you know, move stress out of my body or how do I process distress? so that I can enhance my emotional and physical well-being? How can I know that distress is going to be there as a part of life? Good stress, stress, and bad stress. We don't call it bad stress because it can be good, but distress, right? How can we process it, right? By understanding the types of stress and processing it effectively, it can help us in so many ways because it's going to help prevent the negative implications of distress, right? So again, also not all stress is bad. You know, sometimes it can help motivate us. How is stress good for you? How is it motivating you? So stress management is an ongoing process. And the most important thing is for you to recognize the need for prioritizing your self-care and your well-being and taking time to not let distress kind of go to like the high levels. It's like recognizing that to take control of distress levels 
we want to we want to take that action. It's going to help us build resilience. It's going to help us with our well being. It's going to help us find a greater sense of peace and vitality in our life, and that is so important. Stress is inevitable. It's a part of life. It's a natural response. We're not trying to just get rid of it. Uh, recognizing that we do have that good stress, use stress that helps with in many ways. But then we also have distress. But it's important for us to navigate its impacts to to really look at it in a way to help reduce the distress impact on our life. And so alleviating the effects of distress and promoting our well-being. So I hope that was so helpful. I am so such a huge fan of this idea of seeing stress as an option for good, but then also recognizing when it can be debilitating at times or overwhelming and just recognizing that all we need to do is process it. We need to work with it. And there are many ways that we can do that, right? So understanding its impacts, processing the stress is the key. So I hope that was helpful. I know I really needed to process a lot of stress when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction. So if you found any of this stress reduction techniques or distress conversation helpful, and you're looking for more guidance on this whole concept, I really do invite you to consider exploring my book, Saving You Is Killing Me loving someone with an addiction, because in the book, I delve so deep into all of this. I talk all about stress, distress, and the impact that it has on our health and how to work with it, how to navigate through it. And, and so, so I really do invite you to purchase my book. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.